Welcome to Living Hope, a weekly journey designed to provide you hope, inspiration, and education for anyone living with pancreatic cancer, sharing the real-life stories of those affected by this disease and how they deal with it on a daily basis. And today, well, we're going to take you back to the origin of this show with an amazing tale, one of the, maybe one of the more amazing ones we're going to... Well, I'll let her tell it in her own words. Welcome, Le- Roberta Luna, to the show. How are you? I am great. Thank you. How are you? I am good. And that must be an odd question that people... We just say it as so matter-of-factly, how are you? But you are now one of the rarefied few, those who have lived with pancreatic cancer for not just a while, but for a long while, for 19 plus years, right? Uh, Yeah, 19 years, April 1st. I was diagnosed in 2002. So is that a strange question to you when people say, how how am I? I've had pancreatic cancer for 19 years. How do you think I am? Well, luckily now, um, not so much. I almost forget sometimes that I do have pancreatic cancer. Um, but it was very difficult because it's kind of a moment-by-moment moment question. Yes. One moment you can feel great, and the next you hit you know, the bottom. So it's, it, it varies from moment to moment, really. Well, for those of you tuning in for the first time, either watching us live on Facebook, thanks for joining us to this new group we've created to have these kinds of conversations. Not just this one, but more. We'll create more content for the site. So for those of you interested in the subject matter or going through this right now or you know somebody that's going through this and they're wondering how do i handle it what do i do they're frightened they're scared they're confused we hope to make this a living hope a show that can give you some hope how to live with this and and to give you examples of people who have lived with this so before we do i'm going to do this for a bunch of these shows let's go through some of these stats just to get them out of the way uh, this is one you gave me for the last show. Correct me if any of these are wrong. Pancreatic cancer is the third leading cause of cancer-related deaths in the U.S. That surprises me. So, uh, yes. What would be one and two? I assume lung cancer, which is somewhat preventable, not for everybody, but again, it's, it's things we do. We smoke, and therefore we get lung cancer. Right. I don't know what number one and two are. I'm guessing. What... Well, I think it's still um, breast cancer as well, but right. they, you know, have much better survival rates, and you know, other uh, cancers were up there with us. Uh, and they're discovering it sooner, and they're treating it better, and, and the survival rates have gone up because so it's easier to diagnose for breast cancer. We're going to talk about that today here because I think that's one of the concerns here. So, pancreas—I'm going to say in a certain sense—silent killer. You don't even know you have it until it's probably too late, right? For most people, they don't get diagnosed until it is too late, till it's stage four. And it's metastasized, which means spreads to other organs. It's the toughest cancer, I think, uh, to detect because your pancreas, remind us where our pancreas is. We're going to do this numerous times on numerous shows until everybody gets it into their brain here. The pancreas is somewhere between, what, your stomach and your back and your spine? It lays closer to your back than it does in the, in the front. That's why it's hard. When a doctor goes to actually, you know, um, examine you, he's not normally going to feel it, mm-hmm. but um, at least more towards the back. So a lot of people present with. So back I can't problems. feel a lump has developed or any not of the other things. Normally, yeah. unless like my mom got very thin, so he was able to feel it that way. Mm. But 
normally uh, you're going to have like back issues or they're going to think it could be related to the kidney because of where it's located. And and the only indications that you might have it are what? The seemingly innocuous, something changed, but it doesn't seem that bad. I got back pain. Yeah, and a lot of people, because if they're runners or very active, you know, they think they pull the muscle, so yeah. they may not reach credence to it. Right. Um, it can be any other digestive issues as well, you know, um, diarrhea, constipation, nausea, vomiting. And you said pain. jaundice for some reason. I changed in my skin color. Yeah, jaundice is the yellowing of the skin or the eyes. Uh, normally that happens when the duct is blocked. And, and what does the pancreas do? We're, again, we're going to hit this numerous times because I don't even know what my pancreas is, much less that I have one. It helps digest your um, food. It's got the enzymes that breaks down the food. And also it's what uh, monitors your insulin. Your insulin, yeah. I didn't know that's a critical ingredient. Uh, that's what diabetics are so lack of there or have too much or too little insulin, I, I guess. I forget what diabetes is. Yes. <laughs> is it too much or too little? I, I think it can be a little either. either I think one, there's yeah. different types of diabetes. I'm not that into the diabetes. So here's this seemingly hidden organ that few of us, with a fancy name, that few of us even know we have or think about. We know we have breasts. We know we have lungs. We know we have stomachs. Many of those are more obvious that something has happened, more easily identified. You can feel it. You can touch it. You can sense it quicker. Uh, But this hidden organ, if it develops cancer, um, it also, is that why perhaps it has the world's, according to what the statistics I looked up, it has that's one of the toughest ones to beat. It's got a five-year survival rate of just 10%. Exactly, and for the longest time, we were in the single digits. That 10% has only increased recently. So, for, <laughs> It's up to 10%. Yeah, That's so, lucky us. Yeah, right. Yeah, of course we want it more, but at least it's, yeah. you know, it's something. 10% is better than when my dad was diagnosed. It was 3 When I was diagnosed, it was 4%. So. Wow. Well, we're going to talk about all that too here, but let's just finish the stats. So in 2021, when we're taping this show, for those listening in the future, it's 60,000 Americans will be diagnosed. That's 166 people diagnosed a day, and approximately 48,000 of them will die. Yeah, sadly. That's not, though. The good news is 60,000 out of 40 million. That's relatively small. This isn't on epidemic proportions. This isn't 10% of the population or something. No, it's small, but still it's very important because you're looking at 60,000 that are going to be diagnosed, but only... Only, you know, 40,000 of those people, unfortunately, are going to die, and that's not the statistics we want to see. So I'm wondering if that isn't part of the problem. One, you have a disease that, as deadly as it is, affects a relatively smaller group of population than breast cancer or other sorts of cancer. So maybe it's not as studied, it's not as focused, there isn't as much money thrown at it. Secondly, it's dealing with an organ most of us probably aren't even aware we have, if we are, we certainly don't know how to check it, monitor it, or whatever. So by the time we recognize it or the doctor figures it out, it's metastasized. It's gone too far. Are there other treatments if we had, like breast cancer, through breast cancer awareness, if we had pancreatic cancer awareness and we became uh, more aware and got to it quicker, would the survival rate go up, or is it just when you got it, you got it? I think early diagnosis is very important. That's one reason why I would say I'm still here. Um, unfortunately, because, like you say, we don't really know enough about, or we don't personally know enough. We don't think about it unless we're getting a pain that we're not familiar with or something else is going on. 
and it's just um, the awareness we're we're creating is through different um, events that we do, uh, shows like this, just mm-hmm. try to get the word out there so people can stop to look. When you're having all these symptoms and they can't find anything for, suggest that they look at the pancreas. They may mm-hmm. not want to, but you know, let's let's look at that. First. Or they may dismiss it. I'm the doctor. I know. <laughs> We're, we got a million other things to go through. Let's not jump to that. Unfortunately, that's the way they look at it because so few people really are diagnosed when you look at the big picture. Okay. So let's get to the big picture of your life here because you have what inspired this show really, and my suggestion to even have this discussion here. Here we've got a very deadly disease. Doesn't affect a ton of people, but those that do, just a 10% survival rate. It's hard to find. It's hard to detect. Most people aren't aware of it, aren't thinking about it, and so people are needlessly dying uh, from this disease. You didn't. You didn't die. You weren't part of that 4%. Any idea why? How? Are you just lucky? Did you do something different? Uh, well, I think, like I said before, I, early diagnosis is very important. Um, after losing my dad in a very short time, mm-hmm. um, his brother came to me and said, that's what your grandmother died from was pancreatic cancer. Ah. And it got me to thinking, well, okay, that's two family members. So uh, when we went back home, my parents lived in New Mexico. When we came back to California, I contacted my da- my doctor and said, you know, I lost my dad to pancreatic cancer and found out his mom also died from that. Mm. What do I need to look for or what, you know, are the chances that I might um, have something as well? Right. Become active in your own health. Let me think ahead rather than just react to or, or cover it up and ignore. Well, I'm a pretty curious person too, so, <laughs> you know, um, I just wanted to know if there's something I needed to watch for because... My dad never complained. I never saw my dad sick. I never saw him take an aspirin. He mm-hmm. never missed a day of work. So I didn't know what to look for. And my doctor basically said, don't worry about it, hon. You're too young. I was only in my 40s. Mm-hmm. And it's not hereditary. Um, now we know that there is a slight 10 to 12% chance that it could be hereditary. But at that time, they weren't looking at that at all. They didn't think that was worth it. Okay. No. Is there a lot of study into this? Or is it, I won't say an orphan disease because it's not not one of those where there's so few people, there are no drugs testing or nobody thinking, researching it. But it can't be on the same scale as, I don't know, pick some other big cancer, heart disease or something. Not large scale, but there is a lot of research going on. There's a lot of nonprofit foundations that are doing great jobs like um, PANCAN or Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Yes, well, um, we're going to plug that one never, several <laughs> times every week here. All right, well, so let's. I'm going to sit back and do it. doesn't come easy for me. I'm going to listen <laughs> as you tell your story. Tell us, take whatever time you need, you know, and tell us uh, how you came. You, you, you already said, found out your dad died of it and his mother died of it, so you thought, I better put this on my radar, despite what the doctor says, it might be hereditary. And how did it manifest itself to you? How did you find it? How did you detect it early? Well, after losing my dad in, in 1998, his younger brother in 2001, well, it's a long time ago, 2001 became ill. And actually, he and I became ill around the same time. But we both thought it was kind of the flu. And then with my situation, my doctor ruled out or thought first, you know, it could be pregnancy, but I have been pregnant. I didn't have diarrhea during the pregnancy. Yeah, so I didn't. and you were in your 40s, too, yeah, so, so that seems uh, less likely. Right? Wasn't Not really, impossible, but, you know. <laughs> wasn't too sure, you know, that that was the way to go. And he thought, well, maybe, you know, it's your gallbladder. I had to remind him that he removed my gallbladder some years <laughs> earlier. Good doctor that he was. Yeah, yeah, so that was a little, you know, concerning. And then um, my uncle actually called me up and said, um, hey, Squirt, I just went back to the doctor's. Hey, and, uh, Squirt. <laughs> I was the shortest of the family, so I have... Uh, <laughs> 
obvious nickname. <laughs> um, but he said, you know, I just want to tell you that the doctor told me I have pancreatic cancer and to go home and put my, my house in order because no one survives. Wow. What, all right, walk me through that. Everybody's wondering, how do you handle that? It, it, that was from him. That wasn't for you. That was That's, that's a pretty stark, blunt conversation yeah. out of the middle of nowhere. Hey, squirt. I'm dying. Yeah, and that was just my uncle. He was just very straightforward. Um, but it was, you know, very concerned. So they, you know, told me to go home, put my house in order because nobody survives pancreatic cancer. And I asked him, I said, well, do you, you know, should we seek another opinion? And he's like, no, I'm pretty sure that I, it's, it's advanced enough that there's really not much to do. Wow. And sadly, within two weeks, he was gone. Within two weeks? Yeah. It was very quick. And again, I asked him because I said, well, how are you feeling? He says, well, I, I just felt fluish. I didn't really, you know, he had some, some diarrhea and so couldn't keep food down. But he wasn't thinking anything more serious. And he didn't even yeah. stop to think, even though he knew that he'd lost his mother and brother to pancreatic cancer. That was not even a thought for him. I'm sure he's a big, tough guy. We all are. How did that, did he just accept it that easily? And it just happened that quickly? I mean, it's hard I'm wrapping my head around all the stages of grief. Why? No. Can't be. Denial. And then anger. And then finally acceptance. But there isn't a lot of time in two weeks to do all that. I think he did accept it fairly quickly because he saw what my dad went through. My dad was about six feet tall and weighed 175 pounds in his good days. Mm -hmm. And he got all the way down to 70 pounds before he died. And my uncle saw that and just, I think it just dawned on him that, you know, watching his brother go to that and his mom before that, I think he just pretty much gave up that that was it. And doc- doctors told him no one survives. And again, like we've talked about at that time, we pretty much put stock. We thought, you know, doctor was God. Yeah. Whatever he said, that was it. Yeah. Whether I like it or not, if they, if they want me to stand on one foot for a week, I will. Cause that's what the doctor told me. Yeah. But, um, it was, it was difficult. And then. After losing him, I went back to my doctor and said, you know, I just lost my third family member to pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. I'm really now concerned because of the symptoms that I've had. And again, was told I was too young and it wasn't hereditary. And I think the biggest mistake the doctor did, which is probably the best thing for me, is he said, let's just wait and see what happens. Mm. I'm not the wait and see type. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to wait and see. I'd seen what my dad went through. I saw what my uncle went through. No time to wait and see. Yeah. No, and I I vaguely remembered. I was only nine, I believe, or eight or nine when my grandmother passed away. So, I, but I remember what she went through, and I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to put my family through that. So I just um, took my checkbook out, write a wrote a blank check, signed it, and said, you know, let's get started. Let's do something. I really need to know so what I, I what I can do. And what did you do? Well, it was you know after. Doctor says, wait and see. You're now going to be, I'm going to be proactive. You're, you're part of my generation. We're not going to sit and wait anymore here. We want to take action. We want to do something here. You had the means, the the mind, the capability to do so. What did you do? Yeah. Well, they started some tests, though. They were still thinking because I also had some kidney issues that it was probably more my kidney than anything else. But I knew it wasn't. It just it felt different. I've had kidney issues. And it's your it, body. You know what's going on. Yeah. Exactly. Just the feeling was totally different. So I said, no, let's get started. So they did a bunch of tests. They start with blood, um, ultrasounds, um, EUS, which is a tube that goes from your throat down into and your And did you, area. I hate to be blunt, but did you have to pay for this yourself? Or, or were, because the doctor said, wait and see, and you said, I want to go forward, does that mean you now fund the, this? Or does the insurance company deny it because he didn't require it? Uh. Um, actually, well, like I said, I did give him the blank check just to get started, but the, he was really great. He did code it in a way so that the insurance did help us out with the cost. Right. 
And then when it, you know, came down to getting the actual diagnosis, then it, it was, you know, because it was necessary, so it was easier. But, you know, for a lot of people who don't either have insurance or don't have that great doctor that knows how to code things, it's very expensive. And none of the tests wow. that they do for pancreatic cancer, every test is invasive. It's not just like going to get a blood test mm. or going to say, get, yeah. you know, yeah, just feel around on the body and see what you feel. They, do they actually, I'm, I'm, I'm like, how far you want to go in this? Do they probe it somehow or do they go in and open it up and look in there? Or what well, they? the first thing they did is it's a U.S. where they take the tube and it goes down your throat and it goes into the pancreas area and they take a biopsy that way. Okay. And then I had a needle biopsy, which is what they just inject the needle into. They do an ultrasound to see where the best place is mm -hmm. and they put the needle there and they draw out some fluid from that and mm -hmm. biopsy it that way. But you just can't run a test of a scan of your blood, a blood scan, a blood screen, and see, oh, there's the wrong enzyme or something. I don't know what it is. But whatever, there's something there that's the indicator. No, right now we have no blood work like you do for, you know, like um, prostate cancer is very great right now. They have a, the PSA where you go yes, in. Yes, right. That's what I was getting the, to, right, yeah. yeah. They measure your, your whatever PSA stands for, they measure <laughs> that. And, yeah, and they, you know, when we first, or at least when I first um, was diagnosed, they had very low survival rate as well. But when they've developed that blood test, their survival rate is like 98%. Yes, so. exactly. And and I go through that every year myself here. And, and it's now a figure that as an, a man of a certain age, you monitor what your PSA level is. Just mm -hmm. like women learn to self-examine all the time and not ignore a lump, a bump, a something here. Right. Uh, these are things, signs we look for. But from the moment, there isn't anything. All right, so you did this. And how long did it take for them to figure out? You're right. You got pancreatic cancer. Um, it took a couple of months, and then when he, you know, the doctor comes in, you you sort of know already because they're not looking at you. And if it's oh, good news, yeah. you know they're going to look at you if it's good news. Yeah, I mean, they don't look at you. No, it was the same reaction like when they came and told us about my dad. They look at the floor, and my doctor sat down, grabbed my hand, and said, "I'm sorry to tell you, it is pancreatic cancer. We'll do what we can. I suggest we start, you know, chemo right away. But you already know no one survives because you've already lost three family members." I can't imagine this ever gets easier to talk about, and yet I know this is you, your passion and purpose, and you talk about it a million times to a million people in a million ways to get the word out, but i got to imagine this is, every time you tell this story, it can't be easy. It is. It's difficult because it brings back that day, you know, and um, sometimes, I'll try not to get too teary here, yeah. sometimes, I, and what really helped me get through that day, ironically, is after, you know, after the doctor tells you that everything else just sounds like they're saying blah, 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 you don't understand, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, it's like the Charlie Brown commercial or cartoon, you don't really hear anything, so when I went back to my car and I turned on the radio, um, Bob Marley was singing, don't worry about a thing. Every little thing's going to be all right. And I know <laughs> Every little he, <laughs> thing's going to be all right. Yeah. I know he wasn't singing to me, but he was. Yeah. He was singing to me. It was just the timing was perfect. And from that moment on, I just thought, you know what? Everything is going to be all right. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a journey. But I'm a little stubborn and bullheaded, my dad always said. So I wasn't going to just lay around and do nothing. You weren't going to uh, roll over. No. I, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go kicking. And I wanted to, you know, just do whatever I could do and just get started. And Dylan Thomas's famous poem that I always misquote, you know, don't go gently into the night, <laughs> you know, rage against the dying light. Yes. All right. So you start raging. You start fighting. Uh, the raging bull comes out of the corner here and the boxer's in the corner. You made it. When did you know, When when did you feel like, Hey, I'm not going to die in six months or six weeks or two weeks. Probably, obviously, after the first year, um, you yeah. know, because but that that first year was really really tough. And I remember 
because at that time, you know, the, the five-year survival rate was so small. But right. when that five years was creeping up, I thought, okay, if I just lay here Still in bed. Still 10% according to the statistics that I had here. You know, it, even today, five-year survival rate is just 10%. It is. But when I was first diagnosed, like I said, it was only 4%, 4% at that time. Yeah. And so I, first year was kind of a milestone, and then but hang in there. We're going to see if we got five years. Now you passed five years. Did they start to? Does it go into remission? Does it? What happens? Is it still there? Does it? It's not cured. Doesn't? It's not a miracle. It doesn't disappear, does it? No, mine is still there, and um, it's been inoperable because of the location. There's veins and arteries that run through your pancreas. Oh. Mine chose to be entwined with that, mm. so not making so anything. So they can't go in and dig it out. No, yeah. it's been very difficult. They they check every so often because new procedures have you know, been developed since then to see if I'm at that point, and I have been on chemo for most of that time. Um, my last chemo was actually in December in 2018, so this is the longest I've ever been off chemo, and the tumor is being dormant. But by no means is it in remission or, or gone. It's still there. <sighs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so what do you say to people who have that talk like you did that day when the doctor walks in and tells them the facts of life? You have pancreatic cancer. Survival rate's very low. Very little we know about it and what we can do. What would you tell them to do next? Fight, fight like hell. I mean, like you know, I I do put on, I do compare this to like boxing. Like when yeah, I when so I'm I, saying Raging Bull, the movie <laughs> Raging Bull. Yeah, it's kind when of, I write about it, I put like for this year, I put I've got the boxing gloves on. This is round nineteen, and I'm still going because it's my nineteenth year. Right. But I would tell them, you know, to fight, fight as much as they feel that they can. And do. what can you do to fight? Because it seems like a, how do I fight something I can't see? I'm shadow boxing. I'm boxing with a shadow here. You have to be your own advocate, pretty much. I mean. Put it bluntly, if you you know if you have to be a bitch, be a bitch. But you right. you have to you have to be out there. You have to be the one that says, "I'm not ready to give up. When I'm ready, I'll let you know." But right now, I want to keep fighting. Make and, noise, do research. How about reaching out to other people? That's what we're going to suggest here as we wrap this up. Here, you are a member of the Survivals Council of this organization that is so wonderful in doing this. We're going to plug it again in a moment the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. We had the founder on last week. She mm-hmm. talked about her journey and losing her mom, I think it was, to yes. pancreatic cancer yes. and, and what motivated her to try and bring people together because there wasn't enough information. There wasn't enough dialogue. The, the doctors shrugged and went, I don't know, what do you want me to tell you? I want you mm-hmm. to tell me some answers and give me some options. Even if they're not good, I'm, I want to know because I'm not ready to quit. I'm ready to keep fighting. So the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network was formed. I'm assuming there are other organizations similar to it, other groups around. How do they find these? How do they, and what do you do when you get there? We'll talk more about this in future episodes. So what do these groups bring you? What do they bring you? Um, well, for the first group, because it was the only group I found, like I said, I found that actually through Pam. Mm-hmm. who was on last week is the You found that through the John Hopkins Medical University website or yeah, something? Yeah, I found her on a on a chat board through John Hopkins, mm-hmm. and then she was in the midst of developing PanCan. Right. And then sort of lost track for some reason, and then after my diagnosis, um, reconnected again. And they have a wonderful service. It's called Patient Central. And you call them, and you, you get the same. What I liked is you get the same... Um, associate every time mm. so you don't have to explain your story every all time. over again yeah, yeah right and the information they send you is very complete and it's free it's no cost to you there's free good yes yeah. i mean because it gives you questions you know what to ask the, the doctor 
you can also find some of these things also on their website, which is pancan.org. Mm-hmm. And then just click on where it says Facing Pancreatic Cancer. And it's just got a wealth of information for you. And you can call them to the phone number 877. So it's toll free, 877 and the number 2, PANCAN, P-A-N-C-A-N. We'll give that out in a moment again here. But All right, well, you did it. You made it. Final thoughts, final words. Can I ask you a blunt question? Why you? Sure. Why you? Why not? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's, that was one thing I never really asked is I think maybe for my family, but for myself, it wasn't a, a matter of why me, it was why not me. And I, I have to do whatever I can. And I would just suggest to anybody, whatever news you get, you know, continue to fight. If that's what you want to do, continue to fight, research it, but be careful where you go. Don't just Google pancreatic cancer, mm-hmm. go to like pancan.org, which is a reputable site and get the information. Get some real facts, right. real resources, Call. real people to talk to. I know why it was you, if you don't, because you turned it into a crusade to share that information with others and to build a network and to build shows like this. That's why you. Well, I hope so. And I, survivors, we go through a survivor guilt as well. Yeah, right. And we'll talk about that in future yeah. shows here. Yeah. And I asked somebody something, and she said, well, look at it this way. God only takes those that are perfect, and you're not perfect yet. <laughs> so um, I'm very fine staying unperfect for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, so. that's right. Uh, I'll, I'll take that <laughs> as a badge of honor. Well, thank you, Roberta Luna. We're going to have you back in future shows. But it was your courage, your willingness to share and talk about this, and your unwillingness to give up and roll over and just say, like so many do, that's it. It's not it. It's never over till it's over, as somebody famously said. So, um, uh, again, uh, we welcome this. This is a show not just to share stories but to talk with people. So we hope that as you come back at the Facebook group in particular, you'll talk with us and ask questions because that's really what this is too. It isn't just story after story. That's part of it, to educate, to inspire to motivate, to give hope to those who suddenly feel hopeless. It is also a way to connect people and have conversations. Hey, I tried this. Hey, did you hear about this? What about this? Can I do this? And, and we'll hopefully find some researchers and give some news and updates and other things, all to give people some sort of living hope of those living with this disease. Thank you, Roberta Luna, for, for putting this together and for uh, coming and sharing this well, with thank us. Thank you here. for the opportunity. I really appreciate it, and I hope we can really do something good with this. So I, thank know, you. I know we will. Well, there you have it, folks. The reason that you should tune in each and every week to Living Hope, to hear not just their journey, but your journey with pancreatic cancer. If you struggling with this and you need help, you need answers, there is help out there. Not just through the real-life stories of those really affected this, but but there are resources as well that we're going to steer you to. And we'll start with today, that one we mentioned. There's patient services at 877-2, the number 2, PANCAN, just like it sounds, P-A-N-C-A-N. 877 and the number 2, PANCAN, to learn more from the pancreatic cancer. Action Network.